This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Go! Hey Husky fans, welcome back to 4th and Inches of Husky Podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Jake. And we go together like Jim and Artemis. <laughs> Jim and Artemis? Yep. And you you said on the phone earlier, if I didn't get this, our friendship was in jeopardy. Friendship, the podcast will be over. Oh my god. The friendship will be over. Buddy, uh, I, we're in danger. <laughs> Jim and Artemis. That doesn't leave me a whole lot. Well, thanks Husky fans. <laughs> it was a blast bringing this podcast to you. This is for Husky Podcast signing out. I'm Trevor, and Jake's dead to me. We'll see you never. Jim and Artemis? I'll give you four words, and I think you might get it. Can you feel me? Oh, my God. (laughs) Trev, I'm so sorry. Yep. Yep. You said Jim. Gosh, yeah. Jim West. Yeah, James West. Came in the West, so remember the name. (laughs) Now who are you gonna call? Now who are you gonna call? <laughs> Trev, I'm so sorry, man. My heart, it hurts. It that hurts. one that one brings us almost all the way back to the very beginning. Oh yeah. I um, we, we have had some good memories to that song. I can think of four distinct times that that song has like defined our relationship well first of all i can name two right off the top of my head uh we danced together at both of our weddings to that song you're absolutely right uh one while i was taking the garter off my wife so that's weird. yes you were <laughs> uh yep the other turns out i wasn't allowed to take it off <laughs> he tried i was one of the robbers <laughs> i was i was loveless he, in that yeah, sense. yeah yeah he tried you gotta test your chest yeah, loveless yeah I hear you. you can't stay at the heat. Get out the wild, wild west. <laughs> uh, the other one was in Portland for my anniversary. Uh, we surprised my wife with a little gathering of people, did a little brew cycle. And yeah, we did. Me and Trev uh, danced in the middle of that brew cycle to that song. Got free drinks out of it. Yeah, that was the third one, and I'm blanking on the fourth. It's what made us friends. We were, I guess we were already living together at that point. But we were driving somewhere, and it oh, came on, yeah. and at the part where it says, can you feel me? Both of us looked at each other and said it, and then lost our freaking minds. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. pretty sweet. That was, man, that, is a, that song will live forever in my heart as one of my favorites. I hope to play it. I hope it's played at my funeral. I hope it's played at both of our kids' weddings so that we can be the creepy old guys dancing up on our <laughs> ladies. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the best. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Then we're doing oh, They're going to be, do, and I don't even care do, what they think. Dude, we have four chances. <laughs> one <laughs> of them's going to get married. One of them. And we, have- we can't walk our daughters down the aisle because we don't have daughters, but we're going to be able to dance our boys down. I cannot wait. Man. I only got like 18 more years until hopefully we can do that. 
Wow, countdown begins. And hopefully we're still doing We can talk about it on this podcast, how we were those creepy old guys dancing up to Wild Wild West, who nobody at that wedding knew that song. I didn't realize it until I, I put that song on the other day to dance around with Kaysen. I just As a kid, I loved all of his songs. I loved Men in yeah. Black. I loved getting jiggy with it. I loved Miami. Summertime. Summertime. I loved Dan. Big Willie style. Oh, man. Yeah. All of them. Podness. Uh, uh. Yep. I hear you. And then, of course, Wild Wild West. Yeah. It probably takes the cake. Hey, hey man. Even the, the song to Fresh Pencil Bel Air, I can still recite that thing. Our dance teacher does this really, really cool thing every year at the end of the year where the, the kids do, like, a themed dance throughout, throughout the whole school. And a couple of years ago, it was television shows. And my class did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It was, it was it, really cool. It's pretty much the best. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So, um, you know, he, uh, that, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you for finally getting there. I'm guessing we can, I, we're going to get through this weekend. We have to. We got the tickets already. We'll see where we go from there. <laughs> I hear you. So one of the things that my dad wants to do in the next 12, 10 years, I guess, now is uh, he wants to go to a different Pac-12 stadium every year. Um, and this year we've decided that Stanford was the one that we were going to do. Originally we were going to do Colorado, but my sister decided to have a, her first child um, right around the time that the Colorado game is going to be played. So we made an audible. Jake and his dad are going. We're going to make a trip out of it, spend some time in San Francisco, go to Palo Alto, and have a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, me and my dad have jumped on this bandwagon, and we will continue this pattern. All right, USC traveled up to Husky Stadium for a 12:30 kick. Beautiful Saturday afternoon. They were met. With, with a really physical defense and a really, really efficient offense. That score looks a little funny in both ways because it could have been a really big blowout because there were some missed opportunities for the Huskies. But on the opposite side, USC could have made that a closer game uh, if it weren't for a few key turnovers. Yeah, they had a couple opportunities, especially late, man. But I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel nervous the entire game. Until the fourth quarter, when they were driving and had the had the potential to be within one score, and that's when I was like, "Oh man, this team is talented enough. If they come within one score, they can do it." You know, they have that deep threat. They have the ability to to go down the field really quick. Those flash plays that they have. Up until they were driving down fourteen, the whole time I never felt like this game was in jeopardy. Um, you hit it on the head when you said that this offense is really efficient. And I felt like they were all day. Um, Eason was on the money a lot. Our running backs were really, really good. I think that, you know, there were some things that happened in the first half that really showed that Washington's offense was able to exploit some of the weaknesses that USC had. Washington didn't score till their second possession. And honestly, on their first possession, if it wasn't for uh, a couple of bad footing plays by Fuller where he wasn't able to come out of his break, yeah. they're looking at a first and 10 close to the red zone there. Yeah. But, you know, that's just the way it went. This offense took, took, took the scouting reports and were able to do what they were able to do, right? They yeah. didn't necessarily go all out, but when they needed to make those plays – 
they went to the sides of USC, and that's where USC has really struggled this year. You saw that uh, former Washington commit Marlon Tuipolotu and that other defensive lineman up the middle were really, really stout. And they kept saying it throughout the day. Uh, Chris Peterson apparently said that if they get that to a stalemate, that's a win for Washington, and I understand why. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of – that's a lot of talent on that D line right there, you know. And as far as their offense goes, their defense makes a lot of plays. But as far as their offense goes, if that offense could stop turning the ball over, they could have easily won the the two games that they lost. Really, um, if they if they don't turn the ball over at all in those two games, that offense can really move that ball. And they moved the ball against us quite a bit. They did, and I think Brock Heward. Brock Heward, I thought, did a really good job of not being biased, but also not tearing his hair out. I think you could really tell that he was really frustrated with the uh, USC's play calls on offense, especially as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many times in there he said, like, when, they, when, it's, a, when it's a 3-2, that's a, that's a running look. And he kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it. And they would do it every once in a while. But they were just in love with the pass because, you know, they're a Texas Tech, Graham Harrell kind of an offense. Yeah. And I think it just being uh, – sometimes I'm really frustrated at Washington for not having more of an offensive identity. Uh, Chris Peterson talks about that all the time, that they just call plays. And they call plays to what's going to work for them. But you can see with USC, they're so ingrained in their identity and they're supposed to do one thing really well that they – kept going away from what actually was working which was the run game yeah both of their running backs i thought were really good yeah their run game was was working really really well against our defense um and maybe that's because of our game plan versus their offense where we you know we just watched them beat utah and it was with just hucking the ball around the field and they only ran for yeah 19 yards or 15 yards. It was something them. crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they barely run against Utah. And then, so that's tough to game plan against the run when you never saw the run the game prior. So USC in that facet, they ran the ball way, way more than they did against Utah and kudos on them. You know, they really tried to do closer to a 50, 50 split. When you talk about Graham Harrell, what do you think of, when you think of the name Graham Harrell, dude, that guy shattered Texas Tech, baby. Yeah, he shattered every passing record in college football when he was at Texas Tech. The dude wants to huck the ball down the field. He threw the ball. Remember when he was at Texas Tech, the dude threw the ball 72 times in a game. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy wants to spread the ball around the field. And he had, I mean, we talked about it before. That defense has insanely talented receivers. So, yeah, you know, you want to play to your strengths, which is throwing the ball to those guys. I do want to mention both running backs because I thought they were both really, really good. And Malapai and Step. Step looked like he wasn't able to be tackled. Um, I think Washington finally got him in the backfield for his first tackle for loss of the year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive, and they really were able to do some stuff. That being said, Washington was in a 3-2-4-2. Two, two. 
So they had four corners. And so if you look at the, if you look at the stats, the guys that had the most tackles are corners. And, and that's a little bit by design because, you know, there was a lot of balls thrown and I thought that the linebackers had a little bit better of a game. There were still mistakes, but Kyler Mano every, every week makes one play where you see how good he, he, could be. I guess could be is the right word. Cause I don't want to bash on the kid too much. Cause I mean, he's, he's been there for a long time. He's, he's, if he, he doesn't suck. I mean, he plays for Washington. He's a starter. Um, I don't care about guys getting injured and guys leaving um, his sack uh, set up the first score of the game and yeah. really started the momentum for Washington. And it wasn't just the sack that was impressive is that was a run, run pass option. And Fink pulled it because he thought he had a guy uh, on a slant. And Manu was right there. He jumps up. He blocks his view. He tucks it. Then he's able to go make the tackle. That being said, he's still got some work to do in the run game. He took some pretty bad routes. Yeah. And actually, I was really impressed that he even got that sack. Because I think when I was watching it, I thought Fink put a move on him. With a mm-hmm. little okey doke, and I thought Manu was going to bite and tumble, and I thought Fink was going to break free, and he ended up he ended up growling Fink for that, and it was a big loss of yards for that sack play too. I mean, it was like 13, 14 yards, which really set them back. And so that was a really, really good play. And um, but you're right, as far as the run game goes, he has constantly him and and both Wellington have yeah. constantly found the run. It's been a little frustrating to watch over the year because the way that this coaching staff works, they find problems, they attack the problems, and they fix the problems. And it just seems like with these middle linebackers, something's just not clicking for them. Well, and the first touchdown on the Fink uh, two-yard run or something like that, Jackson Sermon came in a 1,000 miles an hour a la Joe Tryon a couple weeks ago. He he looked so – he had his head down. He was streaking towards the running back, and he never got contained. Um, granted, I know it's, you know it's kind of a goal line thing, but if that's your job, you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, th- I think that definitely there's still some work at the linebacker spot. Um, other than that, I mean, the first half was really re- – I mean, it was pretty lopsided, right? 17-7 to 7 going into the half. Washington moving the ball up and down the field. That's exactly what you wanted to see. Yeah, it was, the game was a little bit a tale of two halves where Washington really controlled the tempo in the first half, uh, most the majority of the scoring. And then the second half, it kind of seemed like USC had kind of got it together and started moving the ball quite a bit on Washington's defense. They just couldn't capitalize on – moving the ball down the field, you know, they were really, really good in the, from the twenties, you know, the 20 to 20. But once they started getting down the field a little bit more, you saw them stall out of drives or turn the ball over, whatever it was that didn't lead to more points. But if you would have looked at the yardage that USC had gained in the second half, I would have told you they probably would have scored more than seven points on our defense. Yeah, that was a really interesting, I mean, the, the big run that was set up by two guys taking terrible routes. Kyler Manu took a ter- terrible route on the running back and Cam Williams did too, uh, which gave them that big gain. And then, uh, 
they're looking, they got momentum. They're about to bring it into a one score game. And then Elijah Molden just makes an outstanding play. Yes. Yes. It's about time. He's been, he's got a lot of pass breakups. He finally got his interception. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially you should have had him too last week. Yeah. yeah. So he ends up getting it and, and it was good to see. But one of those things in the second half that really bothered me is, is Washington did have a chance to score at least one more touchdown. That holding call on Trey when they were driving, uh, it was a hold. It sucks. It was one of those things where he didn't expect Eason to break contain and go outside like he did because we yeah. really haven't seen that that often the, and all. for the most part his pocket's been really clean yeah so i don't think he was looking for it and therefore he held a little too long didn't disengage uh and that killed that drive they went for a big play and then after that they ended up settling but well they were when, they were on their way to scoring on that drive as well when you mentioned that big play that was a long throw uh, a seam route to hunter bryant that oh yeah. Now, now Hunter Bryant kind of got away with a little bit of push, but they weren't going to call it. And Hunter Bryant had the ball in his hands. And how often he had his whole arm extended. But how often have you seen Hunter Bryant get hit in the hands and drop a ball? And I think it was a body hitting the ground and kind of. Yeah, he had it, and it when it t- when he uh, went on his back to the ground. And but you just out. You, you 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 expect. Hunter Bryant, anytime he gets the mitts on the ball, he's going to bring that in. And if he does bring that in, we're in the red zone immediately. And that would have been a 45-yard game. Yeah. So, you know, that would have been an instant scoring possibility right there. Especially especially the way that Peyton Henry is knocking the ball through the uprights. We would have Best kicker in the nation, that's, man. That's a guaranteed three right there. Yeah. In the favor of the good guy. So, I yeah. mean – I'm, I'm, you know, hey, I'm not going to put Hunter Bryant on notice for dropping that ball, but next time, come on, come on, man. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I, I do have in my notes, that guy, he's, he's just like a cheat code for the most part. You need a first down, you hit him over the middle with a cross. Yeah. I would, I would hate to be somebody trying to tackle him. That's the best farm sense I can't even tell you. It seems like at least once a game, he's pushing somebody to the ground. His freshman year, he w- he went over the middle and uh, caught a ball against Oregon State and shoved the guy like three feet. Yeah, it's – I mean, his arm's got to be like 12 feet long. It's awesome. That's yeah, how he gets just... away with offensive pass interference too, huh? <laughs> I mean, that was... Even even Heward was like, well, <laughs> he, he kind of got away with one there because he definitely pushed off, and he definitely yeah. did. I mean, I just saw the play over again. He 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 did not have full extension, and then he had full extension, and yeah, the guy all of a sudden had three yards of separation. So yeah, know. but it was a good ball by Eason, regardless. Yep. So I was, I mean, I'm always pleased when you get into conference play, you're, you, you want to win. Um, they controlled that game pretty much from start to finish. There's always a little piece of me when, when different logos come to town, I always get a little bit nervous and SC is one of those. You see those uniforms, you see the helmet with the, with the Trojan. When you see the helmet with the Trojan on it, you think, really really talented teams that in the la- in 
you know, not that distant of a past have really put the hurt on Washington. It's one of just a few schools that have a winning record in the Pac-12 against Washington. And it's the steepest one. So I always get nervous when SC comes to town. And it was really nice to see Washington take care of business. Well, you know, they're down a little bit this year, but their talent's not. You can tell by watching this team on TV, they're a talented bunch of bunch of guys, man. They were there were a ton of guys injured. They had like five guys out for the game. Yeah, and they, they still played as tough at home. That's a talented core group of guys. They get a lot of talent out of high school. They get a lot of that that California loving, Southern California loving. I mean, they they hold they hold the 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 key to California. And that's where a lot of high school talent's going out of. And you can see it in their play. It's just, I mean, we've talked about this a lot over this season of, uh, on our podcast. It, it kind of trickles from the top down, right? You know, the, their leadership is messed up. Um, their AD just quit. Clay Elton should have been fired three years before he even got the job. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Once, once Urban Meyer's hired, this you're going to see this program skyrocket back up, and it's not going to yeah. take very long. Yeah, it scares me. You know, it's I would be curious to count how many guys on our roster grew up watching and wanting to be a tr- right. I, I don't I don't know about so much the Washington team now because all of the guys that are playing for us now are all really big time recruits. I would say the kids that were playing during the Sarkeesian and Ty Willingham era. Yeah. Probably were USC, you know, leans, but probably didn't get an offer from them and settled for Washington. But I think the kids now that are coming to Washington are Washington fans. And, and well, and that's not, that's not what I mean. I mean, like as a kid, you're growing up and you're seeing SC and SC is just that team that you like as a kid. Like I liked the bulls as a kid because of Michael Jordan. Um, as I got older, obviously I became a Sonics fan, but well, you just proved my point, but you're not. No, I didn't. Yeah. You said these no. are California kids. So they, they should be SC fans, but you said, you're a Seattle kid that was a Bulls fan that later grew up to be a Sonics fan. Okay, so I didn't prove your point, but I didn't give you a good argument. <laughs> How about that? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. What would be a better – so Jacob Eason is a great example. Jacob Eason said he was a Washington fan growing up, wanted to go to Washington. If everything works out correctly, he's at Georgia. He's entering the NFL draft this year as the starting quarterback at Georgia for the last three years. Sure. Okay. So I'm fine. Okay, you got me on one. Thank you. <laughs> I I needed that. After proving my point. Shut up. I didn't prove your point. I just gave you a bad argument. Okay. Anyhow, let's move on to grades. Jake, what do you got for quarterbacks? Quarterbacks. I give them a B, maybe a B plus, depending on how you feel about it. Uh, 16 for 26, 180 yards. That doesn't light up the stat sheet but he was super efficient and didn't hand USC the ball or the game away. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't do what he did against BYU and, and really super impressed us with some long, deep balls. 
he didn't go down the field very often, but when he did, it was always for a first down. He got the first downs when we needed it. We went for it a couple of times on fourth down, a couple of third longs. He got that first down, but uh, you know, not he didn't play poorly, but he didn't play up to the standard that we have kind of come in a short period of time accustomed to seeing. So I'm I'm leaning towards a B myself. What do you think? No, I totally agree with you. He did what he needed to do. I mean, he made some really, really good throws. He didn't have a touchdown. He didn't have 200 yards on the day. But his incompletions were balls that weren't going to be intercepted. Uh, A lot of his balls were 50 balls. One was so bad that it would have been a spectacular play if the corner made the catch, like running away one-handed with his right hand. So – I'm good with I'm good with that stat line. He gave them the best chance to win, and we exploited their uh, their outside defenders with with our running backs. Yeah, yeah, I I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and, and a B is not a bad grade. I think B. I'd take B all day, uh, every every damn day. What do you got uh, for running backs? I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna give the running backs. Savon Ackman was super effective. Um, I guess the SC defense, like you said, we kind of attacked the outside defenders with our run game. And Ahmed was the perfect person for that with that speed and elusiveness that he carries. Uh, I put I put Ahmed on notice last week, and he heard me. Thanks for listening. And he stepped up his game big time. Newton just keeps scoring touchdowns. I, I think that's literally all he does is just score touchdowns. I would have liked to see McGrew. Get a couple more carries, but uh, especially after that phenomenal game last that he had last week. But there's only so many touches to go around, and you kind of have to feed the hot hand. And, and he hand. he got in the second half. He got, uh, he, got he took one for yeah. he did get lit up, but there was a play where he was probably going to get a two yard gain, and he did a couple of spins and took a defender or two with him for like a gain of eight. That I just thought was one of those things, like man, Strom needs the ball. Yeah. I totally agree. I think he does. But, um, you know. He did get lit up too. You're right. Sometimes he's got to, sometimes you got to feed the hot hand. And the hot hand was going to be Savon. And he was healthy, you know, coming off of a week's rest. Um, You know, he was hurt, but he was also rested. So, you know, sometimes game plans change and you see that Ackman has it versus somebody that doesn't. And, uh, you know, maybe next week is, is McGrew's turn. I'm on the side of giving McGrew more touches. So the only pushback I'm going to have is the one fumble at the goal line that we had. Um, Bocelli jumped on it for the touchdown, so that's good. But I'd like to see a little bit more ball security. Yeah, I agree. You know, and uh, Newton fumbled twice last week, I believe. One on yeah. the uh, one on the, in the Wildcat and once just by himself without trying to hand the ball off. Um, and then another fumble this week, but other than those fumbles, man, I think this backfield is by far the best in the Pac-12. I mean, there's so much top to bottom. I, I, I love this backfield so much. It's quite the stable. It really is. And I mean, it took two fantastic interior to deed linemen to even make their statistics outside of Savans to look a little bit lower because those two were so freaking good. Give the receivers a beat. Um, okay. Again, again, two receivers only recording a catch. Chico had a bubble screen 
for 11 yards and a run for 10. But outside of those two guys, there aren't many looks going anywhere else. So it's just hard for me. And I think, honestly, I think B is really generous for this group, too. Um, Bocelli, like you mentioned before, recovered that fumble in the end zone. That's just right place, right time. Maybe only like two catches. Yeah, you know, full mm-hmm. had like sixty-nine yards. I just, I, there's not a lot of looks going to the receiver's way, and I think a lot of that is because I think Eason loves the tight end so much that yeah, you know, they're taking away a couple of looks from the receivers, which I'm okay with. Yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't seem like either we're not calling the receivers numbers very often. Or they're just not getting enough separation. And, and Fuller, Fuller had a couple of op- opportunities that were missed yeah, as and, well. And, and there was a couple of opportunities that he would have been open, but he slipped. Yep, and Bocelli dropped one. I honestly think a little bit of it has to do with separation and maybe not getting enough. But uh, yeah, I just, it's hard for me to give this receiving core anything better than a B. And I, I'm, I'm honestly struggling with giving them a B. When McClatcher was called upon, he had a couple of really good plays. He he got the fourth down. He had that big run in the first half, and he also scored that two-point conversion to put him up to 28. So I, I like that. You almost want to you know, kind of put him in as a running back in this sense, but it was really yeah. nice to see him get more involved in the offense again. Yeah, absolutely. Especially coming, after, coming off a game that he got zero look. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What do you give the tight ends? I always give the tight ends an A. Always. But he dropped I one. Always, I, don't, I don't care. Hunter Bryant is third in the nation in receiving yards for tight ends. And first in the pack. And he's in the nation. He's only behind a guy from Western Michigan and Florida Atlantic. I mean, those Oh, guys. he's really good. The FAU guy? Yeah. But I have is, no idea who he is. Okay, cool, good. I mean, he might just be getting like the only looks, but I mean, he's third in the nation for tight that's ends. Pretty I mean, that's really impressive. Uh, Kate Otten is probably one of the most balanced tight ends in the pack uh, overall. You know, he, I don't think I recall him dropping a ball all season. And the, the way that both of them block, I mean, they both are just, they've, they, they both amaze me, man. They both were over 40 yards receiving. There's really not enough good things that I can say about these tight ends. I, as much as I love the running backs, I think I love the tight ends even more. I'm with you. Two things that I'll add to your tight end conversation. One, there were a few times where Hunter Bryant lined up as a fullback, as a blocker. That was really cool. And then I think Kate Otten – Hunter Bryant's going to go high in the draft. Kate Otten's the next tight end from the Huskies that's going to go higher than the national people think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I honestly think that we could be looking at like what Iowa did last year with their two tight ends that got. I think they both got drafted in the first round, right? But I, uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I think they both did. I know that they were both drafted really, really early. I'm not saying that Hunter Bryant and Kate Otten are both going to get drafted in the first round. But I think that they both have the potential to be drafted early, you know, uh, first and a third or a second and a fourth, something like that. I think they're both 
they're both going to translate really, really well into the NFL. And, and I think it's just so much fun to watch these guys. I, I think they both are completely opposite tight ends, but I think that they match so well with this team. I, the, the, that tandem is, is incredible. I mean, it's by far the best. I can't say the best. I can't say that they're the best tight ends because I think Kobe Parkinson is really, really talented as well. But as a tandem, I don't think that there's a better one in Pac-12. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I'm not. I don't pretend to know much about the NFL, but if I'm an NFL GM, I'm going to Washington games to watch both of those two. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you do, if, if if Hunter Bryant gets taken before you're ready to take a pick on him. You, you got Kate Otten sitting, you got Cotton sitting right there waiting for you. Cotton. I love that. <laughs> That's the old forever. Be I, I wrote something in my notes and I wrote it as Cotton. Did you? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you got for offensive linemen? I'll give them a B plus, And I think I, I want to say that it's a little generous. Um, they gave Ahmed all sorts of gaps to run all day long. There was a couple of times, what was the kid's name? Marlon. Yeah, and uh, was a hard Washington commit until signing day. <sighs> that would hurt. Uh, Big ate, time. He ate us up a little bit in the red zone. He, he kind of blasted through Nick Harris. But... Uh, you know, for the most part, they gave our running backs a lot of running room and gave Easton some time to throw. But there was also a couple of times Easton had to reverse field to get away from pressure that came quicker than he could read through his progressions. And, uh, you know, it's tough with this SC defense because that defensive line is so talented. So, and that's kind of the reason that I gave them a B-plus is because they kept Easton up upright most of the day, and they gave our running backs a lot of room to run, especially going up a, a front four like USC's. But, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at a couple of NFL guys there, you'd like to see them not get pressure on Easton right away. You know, one of the crazy things is if anybody's at the Stanford games and, and sees Jake and I there, it really looks – really similar to having Jake and I walk next to each other as having Nick Harris and Trey Adams walk next to each other. (laughs) Nick Harris (laughs) is so much shorter than Trey Adams. I mean, there's a shot of them walking onto the field and you're like, Oh, I get it. Okay. Cause they talk about him being the smallest guy on the offensive line and he's still a heavy dude. And he, I mean, he's, the, he's, three, he's 300 pounds. Yeah, and he's still, like, he's the, he's the Pac-12's best center. Yeah. But he is, he's a shorter dude. Um, some of those look like designed bootlegs, and one of the things that I, I've found to is Jacob Eason doesn't look good on bootlegs. No. He needs – he's, he's a, one feet. of those guys set his feet. Yeah. It's it's the easiest and the hardest thing to diagnose as a as a defensive coordinator. Well, you just got to get pressure on the quarterback and be around his feet. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, okay, that's what you have to do. 
But I thought Washington did a great job when he was in the pocket of giving him space. He only got sacked once. Yeah. Oh, you got sacked twice. We got sacked twice? Yeah. Okay. The, the other thing that I found amusing was Nick Harris dancing on the <laughs> field as – as Ahmed's running a touchdown in, and you can see in the background Coach Peterson ripping into him, get your ass uh-huh. down the field, dance all the way <laughs> to the two-point conversion, idiot. He talked about it in the press conference, too. It was so good. Like, Nick Harris, yeah, I, I listened to the press conference. Nick Harris is a dancer, man. That's cool. But dance on the way down to the two-point conversion. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's so good. Because you can tell, like, he was annoyed. Because he, he was like, you just got to stay in, involved. <laughs> but at the same time, I just think the way – the jubile nature of Nick Harris yeah. makes Chris Peterson happy. Yeah. Because you could tell, like, like you said, he was annoyed. But at the same time, he kind of, like he, – he was trying to hold back a smile – because uh-huh. the, he, he had a metal picture of it in his head, and it was probably super funny to see, like, like oh, sidelined yeah. to Nick Harris. Like, this big 300-pounder is just dancing away in the middle of the field, not paying any attention to the game. You like, want, I'm going to let you in on a little classroom secret. Sometimes teachers find kids that have a hard time to focus as the coolest kids in class, because they do some of the funniest things. I believe it. Because it's like, dude, you're supposed to be paying attention, but you're also doing Tai Chi in the back of my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never identified uh, so much with Chris Peterson than in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I appreciated that. I gotta try to wrangle this kid in, but he's still making me crack up at the same time. Exactly. I love it, I love it. All right, you ready to move on to the defense? Let's get it. Okay, D-line. D-line, I give them an A-. minus. Wow. Even I thought the D-line. As the run, with the running game. With a three-man front, yeah. Okay, fair and enough. And we'll get to why I do that here in a little bit. Okay. But I thought the D-line got really good push for being in a base three defense almost the entire day. They were opening up. They were They were – taking up double teams. Levi was pressuring the quarterback. He was getting guys off of spots. I thought they did a great job of giving the linebackers opportunities to make those plays. Yeah. Ryan Bowman also, again, man, uh, makes at least one big play a game. The more I watch him play, the more I like him. I totally agree. And he went from, I think it was last year where I was like, yeah, he was a really, really good player. Uh, he was a good piece. But with this new talent that's coming in, you're probably going to see his snaps decrease. Yeah. And I've seen an even better player than I have in this first two years on the, yeah. on the field. Absolutely. So that's kind of all I got about the defensive line. Yep. I thought they did a good job of doing what they needed to do, um, not being pushed back but pushing forward. Yep, absolutely. Linebackers. C. I, I, the only reason I give him a C is because Kyler Manu's sack was really special, in my opinion, and it really, really helped. Or else it would have been a C- minus or D? Yeah, I think it probably would have been a C- minus because they did make some plays, but 
again, I'm seeing my middle linebackers being pushed backwards instead of pushing the guy. Um, I mean, backwards as well. It yeah. just depends on how you're looking at it. Sure. But I, I see the running backs falling forward. I see some really, really bad routes taken, and I see linebackers getting taken out in the wash that allowed some of the bigger chunk plays by those uh, running backs to be had. I gave a positive. I gave a negative. I'll give one more positive that also puts me in that C range. Um, Kyler Manu on Cam Williams' pick was in a great position. He forced Fink to throw it higher than he wanted to. Because he finally got deep enough, and it looked very, great. Very well. Very well, Travis. That was a great point. Because if you didn't say that, I was going to. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny. Your linebacking core is like my receiving core. Yeah, and it is really similar, isn't it? Yeah, where we just can't look. We both struggle, have struggled with both, both teams all year. And, like, and you love them, and you want them to do well, and you yes. Positive plays, but you can't ignore yes. some of the negative things. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And of course, um, Jackson Sermon looked really bad on that touchdown. Yes, he did. Corners. A. A. A plus. I like. Oh, you giving that your first A plus of the year? It's it's probably my first A plus of the year. Okay. That, let's hear it. Watching the cornerbacks in their perfect positions brought tears to my eyes watching Trent McDuffie on the outside cover these super talented receivers. And even when he does give up a play in front of him, he always goes to punch the ball. It's like watching vintage Seahawks football. He, and he, he, this week he didn't get one out. But also, he used the sideline really well when they tried to go down the sideline on him. Um, Kyler Gordon makes a huge play on third down to stop USC's first drive, and that was a beautiful play where he covered the guy on the slant. He dove out, put one hand out, and blocked uh, and knocked the ball away. Yeah. Yeah, that's the flashes of Kyler Gordon that I would have thought that we would have seen earlier. Yeah, and I think maybe moving him inside, giving him, um, allowing him to not be picked on on the outside where it's more noticeable, where you're going to get double moved more, is maybe something that's going to really benefit him down the road. Because, again, he's still just a redshirt freshman. And can I just say that he has been super special on special teams as well? Oh, my God, yeah. He, he has been – he's been really, really good on special teams, and it's – it's good to see him flying down, using that his athleticism to make really good plays. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and then my two favorites of the week, Elijah Molden. He finally got his pick. Uh, he looks he looks all the part of an NFL corner. I can't say enough good things about him. That interception was fantastic. He almost had a pick six later in the game. He covers well. He he diagnoses defenses. I he just, tackles man, really well, too. He tackles well. I just – I can't get enough of him. Yeah. Uh, and then Keith Taylor with the biggest job of the day. Um, he followed Pittman wherever he went. Don't go too far. Uh, I will stop there. <laughs> oh, that's really uh, hard to do, but I'll do it. I know. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, safeties. 
going to give him a B. And holy cow. I want to go lower, dude. Whoa. I do. And it has nothing to do with Miles Bryant. I know. Miles Bryant is still the best player on the defense, even with how good Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor were. Um, Miles Bryant will always be my favorite because when that right tackle started to get all frustrated, oh my God, Miles Bryant was so and barked in his face. <laughs> he was mocking him. It was, he was, he was like, it was a total mock. You're right. It was so good. I, that was hilarious. I rewound that like four times so that my wife could watch it. I and it wasn't even for her; it was for me. You got to think that he was like, you know, like, why don't you know the snap count? <laughs> it was so good. I was laughing so hard because usually I don't love that kind of stuff. I, I almost thought he could have gotten flagged for like taunting. The referee grabbed him right afterwards yeah. and had a conversation with him. Yeah. You can see it towards the end of the flight. He grabs him by the arm and removes him. Yeah, but it was so good. I was laughing so hard. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. The reason I'm going to give him such a low score, Cam Williams did have an interception, which was great, which set us up in a really good spot. But, again, he missed a few tackles, and he took two really, really bad routes. If, if you grade them separately – what do you grade Miles Bryant and Cam Will? Uh, Miles Bryant is an A. Cam Will is a C plus. Okay. A lot is forgiven when you get an interception. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, turnovers turnovers can win games. So. Yep. I totally understand. So, Jake, who's your offensive MVP? My offensive MVP is going to be uh, Shocker Savon Ahmed. Rushes for yeah. a career high, 163 yards on 17 carries with an 89-yard touchdown. He was exactly what the offense needed against a very stout defensive line. Um, there are no pack. So, I actually read this yesterday. There are no Pac-12 running backs averaging 100 yards per game. Ahmed is the closest with 99.7. Oh my gosh! I am predicting. After Stanford, he will be averaging 100 per game. Hot take. All right. Yeah, bold yeah, prediction. I, very bold. Very bold. So he what needs I... to get like 101 yards? That's <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. What about you, offensive? You know, I went back and forth on this. I actually have something else written, but if you talked me out of it, I'm going to go with the tight end room. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it to both Kate Otten and Hunter Bryant. I know Hunter Bryant dropped that ball, but those two are such mismatched nightmares, and they keep drives alone. They make big plays. They block. you got to give them a lot of the credit for some of the success that the, the running back saw as well. So I'm going to give it to both so they're going to have to split it. Who were you going to say originally? I was going to say the pass protection because I really did like it. I thought some of the naked boots or the bootleg design bootlegs didn't look good, but I don't put that on the offensive line. And all of the problems that the offensive line had were in run protection. So uh, I was going to go with that, but I think the tight ends is more appropriate. Yeah, I, I think the tight ends are pretty deserving of that. Yeah. And that was, and, and that was probably my next pick was either – 
it was either going to be – I really like Cotton. Uh, Me too. But uh, I think he ended on the head with the tight end room itself. And both tight ends, you can't tackle them with one guy. No. Either of them. No. Nope, I hear you. Or if you do, you're going to ride them for a few more yards before <laughs> they trip and fall. Ride it. My pony. <laughs> My saddle is waiting. Is How old were you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. How old were you when you figured out what that song was about? And you were like, <laughs> oh, was, my God. I was today years old. <laughs> 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 Who's your defensive MVP? Keith Taylor. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right. So, actually, me and Trev talked a little bit about this before, before the podcast. And he sent me a death threat. If I was going yeah. to be Taylor. So, A, he doesn't want to be my friend anymore. B, he's now sending me death threats. <laughs> I've literally gone to, what's that guy? Oh, my gosh. What was that guy's name? The Cubs fan that interfered with the foul ball? Steve Bartman. <laughs> Steve Bartman of our friendship. <laughs> That's Fourth and Inches, a murder podcast. <laughs> I'm Steve Bartman. You're Moises Alu. <laughs> <laughs> I peed on my hands for this. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. USC has probably a top three receiving core in the nation. Oh, man. Potentially the best. Preach. T- Taylor was asked, or Taylor was tasked with covering Pittman most of the game. Okay. Pittman was held to four catches for 64 yards without a blown coverage by Cam Will. Pittman is probably held to three for 20 yards. Yeah. What's that you say? It was USC's third-string quarterback? Yeah. Fink played against Utah, who supposedly has a top-tier defense, and Pittman had 232 yards on 10 catches. Keith Taylor takes it personal when people catch balls on him. He might not be getting the interceptions that people like to see from our cornerbacks that they've come kind of accustomed to. But he – guys are not catching balls on him. And if they are, they're for really short routes. They're, they're little hitch and goes, and he's, he's, they're catching him in front of him, and he's making the sure tackle. Dude is playing lights-out football. Pay attention to Keith Taylor the rest of the year because he will get his interceptions if people start throwing his way more, and especially if they start throwing downfield on him. And that's the thing about Keith Taylor. They're putting him inside. He's he's making tackles. He's today he you know, last week it was he was covering Bushman, which was a really, really tough assignment. Yeah. And Bushman got got him a few times. But man, this guy is an NFL cornerback and he absolutely displayed it on national television. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I I could have gone Keith Taylor or Trent McDuffie. You know, I think they both played a really I mean, you could have really gone with, and I keep changing it, you could have gone Keith Taylor, Trent McDuffie, or Elijah Molden. Spoiler alert, that's mine. Okay, go for it. Elijah Molden is my defensive MVP. That guy had an amazing game. Finally gets his first interception. Ball's defended. The guy was all over the field. He makes tackles. I don't know what else you can say about him. Chris Peterson loves him. He's forced his way onto the field. He was a great special teams guy, but today – 
He finally gets his interception, and it's not just any interception. That interception changes the game. 14-point swing. SC scores on that drive. It's a seven-point game. Instead, Molden picks it off. Two plays later, Savon's gone for an 89-yard touchdown, and the game's essentially over. Sure. Yeah, that's a – you can't, you can't be wrong with either one. A shout out to the camera crew. After he scored the touchdown, oh, the yes. camera went right to Elijah Molden's face. Yep. That was, it was, it was done very well. How about shout out to the camera crew that I don't, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Miles Bryant. After USC turned the ball over, he gave the USC horns and flipped them upside down. Oh, that was – was that Cam Williams? Yes, it was. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, fight and, on. Nope. And, and that's a Bakersfield, California kid. Mm-hmm. Given the horns upside down, it was awesome. I'll take it. I loved it. Yeah, that's the moxie that you want your team to have. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a true freshman, given the horns upside yeah. down. I mean – who didn't three. have necessarily the best game, no, but, but still. But I mean, I love, I love that he did that. Yeah. Who's your, who's your, who's on notice for you? Who is on notice? Uh, the guy that we just talked about, Cam Williams. Despite having the interception for UW, he pretty much handed Pittman his long or his lone receiving touchdown. This defense. The scheme is based upon two deep safeties that don't let anything over the top. Cam got caught with his eyes in the backfield and fell asleep, which gave Pittman a chance to get even with him, which ultimately brought SC back in the game when Fink hit Pittman deep. His, his couple of routes to, uh, to a couple of runs were not the greatest. Um, you got to cut down on those freshman mistakes, man. I, uh, well, the two big plays that they had were on Williams. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this defense is ready to win right now, and you're the last line of defense, and you got to take good routes, and you got to stay on focus, and you got to stay on point. So I, I think that this is, probably a good, this is probably a good time for him to make those mistakes because we were, we were kind of handling SC, but – you got to learn from those mistakes and you got to learn now. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. And I guess we didn't talk enough about it cause he's mine as well. Oh, perfect. Are you ready to close the book on USC? I am. All right. So before we get to the Stanford preview, uh, I want to talk, we want to talk about uh, something that happened earlier this week. And that was the verbal commitment of five star, linebacker Savelle Smalls. Jake, what are your first impressions on the Smalls commitment? Uh, first of all, it was sh- a little shocking. It was a little bit shocking because I think it was when he cut his teams down to eight teams, he left UW out of it. And a lot of people lost their minds saying, hey, man, this is a local kid. And he's not even in our top eight. Um, I read a little bit up on it, and it sounds like Maybe he had gotten a little bit of false information from people. I don't, maybe people that were close to him about the coaching staff and the things that were said. Rumor has it it was from the University of Oregon. Is that what it was? Yeah. So 
the UW coaching staff had to gain their trust back with him and kind of re-recruit him and say, hey, you know, this is this is what's real. This is what we want with you, and this is what we want to do with you. And the kid loves Seattle, and he loves the yeah. So getting him this weekend was really, really big. A lot of people are really excited about him. The dude is kind of a freak of nature, man. His, his size, his size kind of says that he can play an edge rusher or with his hand in the dirt. And that's really, it kind of reminds me of a, it kind of reminds me of a Benny Totowai and the fact that he can kind of set that edge or play inside and get some pressure on the quarterback. And that's something special. This guy could be a big time get for the UW and I'm really excited for him. As a recruit, he's the most important recruit Washington has probably ever gotten. He's one of the highest rated players to ever uh, commit to the state of Wa- uh, to Washington. Yeah. He's big. He's fast. He plays linebacker in high school. Uh, they he also plays he could play on the edge. Yeah, he does play receiver. From from what I've heard, he's just a big athlete out there playing receiver. His future is on the defensive side for sure and he is going to not only that take football out of it the kid is beloved in the city he knows putting it on for where he's from is a really really big deal he is a very charismatic kid who with him and sam heward in the fold in the next few years, they're going to recruit a lot of players to come Mm -hmm. play at the university of Washington. Mm -hmm. He's one of those guys that he's going to play right away because he's going to be here for three years and then he's going to go make money in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course a big, uh, a lot of, a lot of credit can also go to Buffy Miller. Uh, She never stopped recruiting him. Jordan Miller's mom, she was all over him. She should be the head of recruiting of the University of Washington. Every time those rumors started swirling about Washington being a program that might have been a little bit, have had some racial undertones, she would shut it down. Yeah. Because she would basically say, if, if there were racial undertones there, my son wouldn't be there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, fir- that's first-hand knowledge. Yeah. So... Um, I, I mean, it was a great job. I thought the, the staff did a great job getting here, and I think it's going to be a really, really cool thing going forward. Now, with that being said, the recruiting of Savelle Smalls is not over. Oh, no. You know, he's, he's committed here, but he's going to have Alabama and Clemson knocking down his door for the next three months until he signs his letter of intent. And even after that, because as well we saw, we had a letter of intent signed by another linebacker, and next thing you know, he's on his way to Alabama, with, and that's Ali Keho. So, I wish I, you wouldn't have brought him up. I know, I'm sorry. Every time I'm I bitter do, about that. I know, every time I do, I hate it. But yeah. I would take Savelle Smalls over Ali Keho every day. A thousand times out of a thousand. A thousand times out of a thousand. Yes, you're absolutely right. Did you watch his commitment video? Yeah, man, I didn't see that coming. It was awesome. And it was I cool. mean, uh, shouting, talking about the 91, want to bring national a national yep. championship since 91. Yep. I get down on that. They, and that's what you get from a local kid yep. is they know the history. 
And as, you know, as he was growing up, Washington was in kind of a dark time. And they're now good. He wasn't even alive during the national championship. Not even close. No. That's how much he knows about the University of Washington. Yeah. I mean, when he was a kid, Washington was going through the the really really dark time yes so it i mean if he's a five-star kid and they're still in those dark times washington doesn't have a shot at him a la jonathan stewart yes but since they're good and he knows the history of where washington can be we were able to reel him in and it's just it's just a huge get for this program it just it just kind of shows the special nature of this coaching all right, so moving into this week, we got Stanford. The dogs are going down to Palo Alto to play a 7.30 kick. Jake and I are going to be there with our dads. It's going to be a great time. Jake, what do you know about Stanford? It's kind of a tricky game, man. Even though I don't think Stanford is as talented as we are, they're kind of a matchup nightmare, um, at least offensively. They run the ball really, really well with Scarlett. And their best receiver is a big physical tight end and Kobe Parkinson. Parkinson is 6'7", 250 pounds, and has incredible hands. Uh, he is yeah. definitely an early-round draft pick for tight end, as far as the tight end goes. He is exactly what people are looking for for a tight end. Um, Stanford is notorious for pushing out really talented tight ends, so he kind of just fits the mold. Their, their offense is let's say they're sufficient enough to be an okay Pac-12 offense, but to a good Pac-12 offense. Their defense on the other side is kind of atrocious. Um, you know, they, uh, they've given up almost 30 points a game, and they've given up more points than they've scored all season. And uh, I think that's really where we're going to be able to exploit Stanford. You know, I think they're going to be able to score on us a little bit. But I think that as far as their defense goes, their their passing is where they struggle the most. And so I think Easton's really going to be able to have a good heyday with them. You know, when I think of Stanford, I think of Shane Scove and I think of Solomon Thomas. Two very dominant defenders, slug it out kind of games. Even the game that the Huskies won back in at in, in uh, CenturyLink Field with Cason Williams going down lines. Those are some defensive slug games, and yeah. this that Stanford is gone. Their defense That's- is slow and not very good. And their offense has become even more one-dimensional than it once was. Because even though they're able to move the ball a little bit with Cameron Scarlett, he's not um, Bryce Love. He's not, no, he's not Bryce Love. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. Not, uh, Toby Gearhart. Toby Gearhart, yeah. And, and, you know, going to Oregon and scoring six points, that, that's not a good offense. Well, and their quarterback's still out. No, Costello? Yeah. Is he really? I think so. He wasn't playing. So, I, I, 
Honestly, I didn't watch much of the Oregon State game. You didn't play in the Oregon State game. Man, yeah, and that's a not, problem. He's not he's not projected to play against us. It's supposed to be Mills. That makes this game really tough for them. Just look at what they've done in conference so far this year. They're one and two with their one win against an Oregon State team that they were throttling twenty eight to nothing and late starting late in the third quarter, Oregon State starting to make a comeback and only loses twenty one twenty eight to Stanford. No points. They lost by they won by three. They won on a they won thirty one twenty eight. You're right. Oregon State did tie it up. My bad. Yeah, they won Stanford, on uh, leaving. Yep. Stan- Stanford has scored 57 points in conference and has given up 94. Holy cow. They're, they're, right. They're kind of – this is not the Stanford that you and I grew up with. You know, the days of Andrew Luck and, and his, his white running backs are gone. You know, <laughs> you know, they, they they just aren't dynamic the way that they used to be. Um, I feel like what's it, what's their coach's name? David Shaw. I feel like David Shaw has almost outrun his welcome there. You know, it's kind of like what they say in Batman. You know, you either you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I almost think that's what's happening to him right now with this program is, is they're really taking quite a few steps back. And I think people are starting to resent Shaw for that after watching what they were able to do through the Andrew Luck years. You know, and it's funny because if you're going to be a quarter, if you're going to be a head coach at a division one school, you have to have an ego. And you have to be stubborn and you have to be, you have to kind of grind on people because of the pressure that's on you to keep your job. Right. Yeah. feel like with David Shaw, he had a window where the NFL teams wanted him and he's been unwilling to make a change in his <laughs> offensive philosophies, even though he's had personnel that I think would have fit better if he would have let KJ Costello throw the ball more last year, I think Stanford would have been done better. Uh, I know they had love, but he was pretty nicked up. They just wanted to play smash mouth, smash mouth, smash mouth. And it just looks like when, you know, some of these offenses get, uh, when defenses catch up to an offense and it no longer looks relevant, that's what Stanford's offense looks like. Yeah. You know, and, and I, at the start of the year, we kind of talked about Cameron Scarlett as far as he's a little bit bigger than Bryce Love was, and he has the potential to, I got <laughs> Nice. He has the potential to, to run, carry the ball more times in between the tackles than Bryce Love did. Bryce Love kind of broke down at the end of his career, like he had mentioned but it kind of looks like the same thing's kind of happening to Cam Scarlett, where he's getting so many touches that his body's kind of slowly breaking down on him. And he's not as, elu- as elusive as he was at, at the start of his career. So 
I can see this offense even slowing down even more than it already has the later this year goes, unless he gives his quarterbacks more of a uh, more of more of a uh, a leash to throw the ball than he's been giving them. Some somebody said, and I don't remember who said it, or I would say who did, but one of them talked about how Cameron Scarlett gets exactly the amount of yards that he's supposed to get. And I think that's a good way to sum up Cameron Scarlett and the way that the Stanford offense is set up is you have to have a special running back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to go down there. Go ahead. Especially with the way that they run the ball. Yeah. The amount of times that you run the ball, at some point, that running back needs to be able to break, you know, break free. Because if they don't, they're just going to sit there and they're going to take a beating and a beating and a beating. And they're going to get little chunk and little chunk. And they're just, by the end of the game, if they haven't broke free for a 30, 40, 50-yard run, they're tired. They're done. They're, they're, their body's shutting down on them. I was at the Stanford game in 2016 at Husky Stadium. And the reason why Washington was so dominant in that game was because they forced somebody other than Christian McCaffrey to beat him. And they focused, they keyed on him. And whenever he had the ball, he had at least one spy on him and they were flying to where he was going to be. Yeah. I would imagine that the defensive scheme for this game is probably going to be pretty similar as far as you have two guys that you need to take care of. You need to take care of Cameron Scarlett, and you need to take care of Colby Parkinson. They got to bracket that guy, man. Yes. If you take care of those two guys, you will win this game because the rest of their skill guys cannot beat you. No. Nope, I got you. And, uh, you know, we're going to be there. We're really excited. It was one of those where I was a little bit nervous making that call because I don't want to go somewhere and then have Washington lose. That wouldn't be fun. I've gone to enough Husky games home and away that they lost that I would rather not see it. Um, I don't know if you and me have ever been to a winning Huskies game together. You want to know my very first – I didn't go to a ton of Huskies games. My first win was 2016. Because I went to a couple of Apple Cups that they got – that they lost – I went to a bunch of Oregon games with my wife during that freaking streak. Well, you and me went to three, and they lost all yep. three. Yeah, they did. So, oh, no, I'm wrong. We went to the Stanford game last year. They won. Oh, yeah. Huh. That's right. All right. So, first up, I want to know your record. Did I suck again last week? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. You are getting – the thing about you, Jake, is you're losing to Vegas. Because a bunch of these games that you've lost in the last two weeks, you've picked the correct team, and you've been screwed by the points. I hate that. So, for example, this week you went one and four. Oh, my gosh. And I went two and three. So it's a good good thing I'm not a gambling man. I'm just surprised because last year we had the same record. We were both. Oh, did we finish five hundred or a little over? I think we were like right at five hundred. I think we're right at five hundred. Yeah. 
So, you know, this week we obviously both picked Cal. That was one I was happy to lose because, you know, that's good for Washington. Um, I picked Oregon State. You picked Stanford. Stanford won, but they only won by three points, and it was a four-point spread, so I got that one. Um, We both picked WSU wrong. We both picked Arizona to win, but Arizona needed to win by seven and a half. They only won by three. And then we both got the UW one. So you're sitting at a fat seven and 22 on the year and I'm 14 and 17. Yeah. (laughs) So you got some work to do. I got some work to do. Okay. So, So first up, we got Arizona traveling to Colorado. Arizona was without Khalil Tate and was able to pull out a victory against a uh, probably the you said it. You said that UCLA probably blew their load against uh, um, against WSU Utah. and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were able to. They almost they actually tied the game, but uh, someone called a timeout. Kicker tried again and he missed. Yeah. So um, Arizona heads to Colorado where they're a four and a log. Colorado is favored by four and a half. Jake, what do you got? You take Colorado to cover. I do as well. I think if Khalil if Khalil Tate plays, I would I'd probably go the other way. But he's got a high ankle thing, and those seem to stick around. So yeah, especially a running quarterback. Yeah. Would you like me to go first so you have a chance to go against me? No, I'm gonna pick my picks. Okay. Uh, next, we got Cal at the University of Oregon. My wife will be in attendance at that game. She figured since I was going to the Washington game, she'd travel down and go to the Duck game. Um, Cal is an 18-point dog. I know, and I was going to pick Cal to cover, but I don't think Chase Garbers is going to play again. So I'm going to take uh, I kind of forgot about that. If Chase Garbers is out, Javon Monster looked bad. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why the spread is so big, honestly. I was – I um, forgot about word that. On the, word on the street, Trevor, is that Chase Garbers is going to play. He's really, really healthy, and he should probably pick Cal. I already picked Cal. I do it I before. <laughs> cool. Dang it. I forgot that's... about that. Oh, well, I'm sticking with it. Good. All right, next we got – uh, the battle of the one is, wins. 18 points is still a lot of points, man. It is a lot of points. And you Oregon didn't look good against Stanford. They, they had control of the game, but their offense didn't do – I mean, they scored 14 points, and then they got seven at the end. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was a boring points, game. It was yeah. like 14-3 to three for most of the game. Next, we got the battle of the one wins. We got Oregon State headed to UCLA. UCLA is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take Oregon State to cover. I do as well. Do you think they're going to win? Uh, I do, honestly. I think so, too. Oregon State shows flashes that they're decent. Yeah, absolutely. And that Stanford-UCLA games this year is going to be a barn burner. It's, it, might, it might eclipse the Wazoo-Stanford game. Or the Wazoo-Oregon um, 
UCLA game as far as points for Dude, I tell you what. That might be the hot seat game. Who's, who gets – winner keeps their job. Winner keeps their – ooh. They should just sign off on it right now. It's like the closest we can get to the battle to the death. Do they both just play with like seven guys on defense? Man, I don't know. I, Chip Kelly showed signs that maybe he was getting it figured out there, and then he goes and loses to a Khalil Tateless Arizona State Arizona, Arizona right. team, which is crazy. How how do you yep. lose to Arizona without their one guy who's who's good? Right here, yeah. So, hear you. all right, last one of the night. We got UW traveling to Stanford. This opened at a 14-point favorite for the dogs, but it's jumped to a 16-point. Jake, what do you think? I'm going to stay true to my guns. After last week, I said that uh, I was going to pick Washington to cover all year. Here we are. I'm I with you. Right last week, I'm going to stay with them. Ride the horse that brought you. You got, you got yourself a win last week, bud. I did. My, so, I'm, I'm one in seven. Or one and eight in the last two weeks. My winning percentage is as bad as Chip Kelly's. At what point do you fire me? Oh boy! Well, after today, you know you're you're on the hot seat. Uh, am I? I mean, you didn't know Jim West and Artemis. You didn't say Jim West. You said Jim uh, if I said Jim West, that would have been too easy. Okay. I you took um, you took my player on notice. <laughs> you took Keith Taylor. Uh huh. And now your base your your system is washed up, just like Chip Kelly's. <laughs> I I understand, Trent. I'll I'll bring it, okay? So, I know that we had the same guy for on notice. I'm taking Cam Williams off notice. I'm putting you on, dude. (laughs) That did not work out well. That did not work out good for Kyler Gordon. (laughs) But it worked good for Savon Ahmed. It did. If I get get two right this week, can I get taken off a notice? I think so. Okay. And then I... I I need to get 50% this week. And here's the deal. That means I'm going to have to go out, not only find somebody that likes Husky football, but is willing to talk to me for an hour and a half. <laughs> Slim pickings, Trev. Yeah, there's not many. Husky <laughs> fans, is. sure, want to talk to me for an hour and a half, plus all the other days. Nah, nah, I hear you. Yeah, not many of those. Dad said no. Dad said no. Kevin's a hey, maybe. He's biologically forced to love you. Yeah, yeah, but not do a podcast with me. I hear you. That's my job. Kevin's a maybe, though. No, he's not. No. I can't even get that guy to pay me back. (laughs) (laughs) We need to end this podcast before I get myself killed. Yes. All right, Husky fans, this has been Fourth and Inches Husky Podcast. Go dogs. Go dogs. Brian, what do I love? Fantasy football. I do love fantasy football, but what else do I love? Uh, making money? I love winning money, but no, no, no. Well, and that's not what I'm thinking of. Ooh, 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 I know. Sundays. I love Sundays. And I'm not talking ice cream, ladies and gentlemen. 
And if you love playing fantasy football, you need to check out the FTLS Fantasy Football Podcast with myself and Johnny Bats over here. Find us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. And as always, check out all of our work at www.ftlsunday.com. Look forward to winning with you all year.